Hey, good morning this morning. And I want to first start out by saying thank you to all of you that listened and watched yesterday and wished me a happy birthday. Guys, lean in here. I'm going to keep saying this the entire day. Fellas, do yourself a favor. Get a facial. Women are smarter than men. Men say, well, I'm not doing that. No, 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 no. Lose that. Lose the I'm not doing that. That's women's deal. No, women are smart. Pedicures. I'm not big on the manicure. I like biting a good nail. Pedicures and facials. I went in for a facial yesterday with my wife. Holy cow. I'm telling you, it is an unbelievable experience. Look at this face. Look at the baby soft skin. They rub you up nice. Put a little mask on you. Wipe it down. Do it again. It's unbelievable. Promise you. You're sitting around. You don't know what to do. You know what? There's a nails place. There's a million. Every, every person in America is within like a block of a nails place. Go to the nails place, walk in, say, hey, you know, can I get a pedicure? Sit down, bring your iPad, bring your notebook, whatever it is, and just do it. Just do that. Promise me you will do it. Promise me you'll get a pedicure. Promise me, men, you'll get a facial. Promise. Oh, God. I asked my wife after, and I asked the young lady, can I do this again tomorrow? It's a little pricey, I guess. I don't know. I, I just, I, hey, look, it was my birthday. I wasn't caring. It was up to my wife. She got us a facial, and away we go do it. Do you know LeBron James has made $532 million playing basketball in the NBA? This is a dude that complains about our country. This is a dude that actually I don't mind when he complains about our country. I don't. I mean, look, you got a platform, use it. Whether you agree with it or not, that's up to you. But at least LeBron James uses it. So I really don't have that big a problem. I think he's full of crap, but that's all right. I've always liked LeBron James. I've always liked LeBron James because when I recruited at his high school, St. Vincent, St. Mary, in Akron, Ohio, everybody at the school loved him. I mean, the other players, the janitors, the teachers, everybody loved LeBron James. He could have been a Jack, but he wasn't. He was great. So I have always been a LeBron James fan, and now LeBron James signs a two-year, think about this, two-year, $97.1 million contract. He's going to make $45.5 million at age 38, 46.7 at 39, and more than that at age 40. It might be time for Bronny his son to come in. I don't know if Bronny's that good. He got outplayed by a kid uh, named Kinziger who is going to Illinois State who's really good. But I don't know if he's an NBA guy, but I think it'd be cool. I thought it was cool when the Griffies took uh, played 100 years ago together. Ken and Ken Jr. I thought that was cool. I think things like that are cool. Call me crazy. I know that we're all supposed to dislike LeBron James. I've always liked LeBron James. Uh, I don't necessarily love watching his game anymore. There are guys in the NBA that I would rather watch now. Steph Curry certainly won. Uh, John Morant certainly won. Those kind of guys love watching them. But hey, the dude's going to play into his 40s, and I'm here for it. I've always said, man, if you're good enough, go play. What the heck? And if you can play with your son, better yet. It's that simple to me.
If you can't, you can't. If you can, you can. 40, uh, excuse me, $97.2 million. That's awesome, man. 0.1 million, excuse me. I gave him an extra, what, 100,000? No, 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 no. All right. This we know is coming. This we know is going to affect us maybe. Maybe. See, people get all dramatic about things like the college football playoffs. People get all dramatic about who's running NCAA football. Who's running the NCAA? The NCAA stinks. About Okay, fine. Here's how I look at the world. And I don't know, do you look at it this way? Do you get all upset about the NCAA? Do you? I mean, really? Does it bother you even a little? Doesn't bother me even a little. It bothered me when I was coaching because when I was coaching, I knew some schools were not exactly playing by the rules. I didn't have evidence. I wasn't sitting there when money was being exchanged. But, I mean, you could kind of tell what was going on here, right? So, let's talk about it. So, now the NCAA is basically obsolete. I mean, let's be honest. The NCAA is kind of powerless. They don't have the power of subpoena. Uh, what do they really do? They run tournaments. They run events. They, they, uh, they host parties. And they do it better than anybody could possibly do it. But now, college football, which is not run in the preseason, by the NCAA, but is run by the College Football Playoff Committee, is looking to break away. And they're going to do it. They had a five-minute conversation the other day. It's the start. It's like you roll a little, little, little snowball down a hill. And it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. That's what this is. The other day, they had a five-minute discussion on the, the bigger schools, the Power Five schools, breaking away from the NCAA and running their own deal, meaning they can make their own rules. They have autonomy from lower budget schools. Now think about this. In that meeting, it was estimated that a half a billion dollars has been left on the table by not extending the college football playoff. So what are we talking about here? We're talking about extending the college football playoff. You just heard half a billion left on the table. They're not going to do that for very long. And not having to share money with the mid-American conferences of the world, with the lower budget teams of the world. That's what we're talking about here. Make no mistake, this isn't about NCAA rules. This isn't about being restrained at all. This is simply about cash, and everybody knows that. When you're talking about a half a billion, I got it right here, half a billion on the table by not having a playoff until 2026. It was a five-minute conversation. That point came up. It's the first conversation, at least that's been reported, a first official conversation of an executive committee in charge of college football. So what do you think the reason for a playoff is? This is what I told you going back to when Oklahoma and Texas moved out of the Big 12 into the SEC. This is coming sooner than later, and right now, folks that are running college football are rightfully upset that this contract goes to 2026. They wish it would go to today. August 18th, if they could make this go to August 18th and change it and extend the playoffs, they would do it immediately. Make no mistake, because they know the amount of money they are leaving on the table. So you say to yourself, 
How's this going to change college football? For us, the viewer really isn't. You may see better games all across a Saturday. There'll probably be no Saturday where you look on the TV and you go, well, you know, um, yeah, there's not much this week. I'm going to go hiking. No, you'll see better games, but that's it. I don't get, I've never understood this. I don't get why people get so bent out of shape about the money schools spend. I don't get why people get so bent out of shape about the money that schools make. To me, it's like, hey, man, the more the merrier. To me, it's, hey, you guys want to pay players? I don't have to coach them. I don't have to recruit them. I don't have to call them. I don't have to entice them. I don't have to do nothing but sit, watch, and react. And I got to tell you, I don't like it. I love it. So, college football playoff is going to be expanded. College football playoff should be expanded. No question. I want, like, 64 teams. Well, what about kids going to school? I got to tell you, come in here. I don't care. I cared for years. I cared for more years than I care to remember. Ten as an assistant, actually, actually, 12 as a graduate assistant when I had to take kids to school who wouldn't go to school, Andre Harris. All the way through my coaching career, 11 years as a head coach, uh, another 12, 23 years, I cared more than kids did about their academics. Then you tap on the four years that I played where actually Coach Knight cared more about academics than I did, and you got a bunch of years. Goddamn near 30 years of caring. I don't care. Whether Joey Bag of Donuts gets a degree, I don't care. Whether anybody's going to class, I don't care. Does not matter to me a graduation rate. Even at Indiana basketball, I don't care. I don't. I don't know why you do. Well, I want the betterment of all people. You're a better human being than I am then. But this is coming. This is coming soon. And it was triggered as soon. It wasn't triggered. This was happening way before. But the, the scab that was broke or tore off was when Texas and Oklahoma came from the Big 12 to the SEC. They ain't coming to the SEC with a more difficult path without the assurance that the college football playoff is being expanded. Don't at me about it either. I will not accept ats for that. That's fact, Jack. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, poor wide receivers. <laughs> of the Green Bay Packers. I feel so bad for you. I do. I feel so bad for you. Aaron Rodgers held a meeting with his poor little wide receivers. His little wide receivers, oh, the poor children. They're professional football players and big rap daddy, big mean Aaron Rodgers, called them out publicly. So when the wide receivers showed up at camp, they were summoned to a meeting in the quarterback room with the offensive staff and Aaron Rodgers. Apparently Aaron Rodgers didn't call this meeting, but Aaron Rodgers was the reason for this meeting. They wanted to clear the air because as you know, as you know, we mustn't criticize our children. We mustn't, we mustn't, we mustn't criticize because these poor young men, these poor young wide receivers, well, they're just trying to learn. My ass, you're a professional football player. Run the damn right routes. Run the right routes. And if you don't run the right routes, 
uh, either a coach, a quarterback coach, an offensive coordinator, wide receiver coach, or Aaron Rodgers should have a boot right in your backside. And if you don't like it, tough. You're not trying to be good. Or you're just trying to be, be good. You're not trying to be great. Aaron Rodgers, I think, did the exact right thing. I guarantee you here's what happened with Aaron Rodgers. I gar- I'll bet you money on this. I'll bet you money that Aaron Rodgers talked to these guys privately, got fed up, so he said, screw it. Screw it. I'm not messing with you guys. I'm not messing with any of you guys. I'm tired of you. When I speak, everyone listens. Think vaccine last year. So Aaron Rodgers says, hey, look. Run the damn routes right. Be a pro. But of course, then we have to have a meeting. Of course. Oh, my God. We got to have a meeting. And if we don't have a meeting, well, hey, look. If I'm Aaron Rodgers, fellas, I got one thing and one thing only on my mind. And that is winning games. And if you're going to help us win games, I'm going to be great to you. If you're going to hurt us winning games, I'm calling you out. If you don't like me calling you out, tough. That's how you get things done. I heard one guy yesterday on the radio say, well, you know, he's not getting anywhere with these young wide receivers by embarrassing him. The heck he isn't. The heck he isn't. If they're smart. Now, I don't know whether these guys are smart or not. They may be idiots. I don't know. But if they're smart, you know what they're going to do? They're going to be tough. They're going to have their pride get hurt, and they are going to adopt the mantra of, I'll show you, old man. Or they can sulk. One of the two. They can sulk. You can always sulk. Sulking is always an option. And I got to tell you, doing college basketball games, broadcasting college basketball games for 10 years, I saw a lot of sulking. I saw sulking. I'm like, no, men don't sulk. Men don't sulk. Men get mad, men show you, men tell you to stick it, but they don't sulk. Too many homes without fathers. And when you don't have fathers, you learn to sulk. And when you learn to sulk, you get attention. No sulking. None. Aaron Rodgers sometimes has terrible body language. Aaron Rodgers sometimes acts above it all. And I like it. I'm here for it because that's how you win. You got to be above it all if you're a leader. It's okay to be one of the guys, but not too much. You got to be above it all. You got to set the example. You got to be demanding. And that's what Aaron Rodgers is. And if these little wide receivers don't like it, nah, find a couple others. I got to tell you, this kind of surprised me because I pay attention to NFL media. Do you know the name Derwin James? I do. I mean, I'm a football guy. That's right. When I shaved my head, I became a football guy. Yeah, that's right. Don't at me about it either. So Derwin James is an all-pro safety with the San Diego Chargers. Now, everybody told me there are two positions in football that are being marginalized. One is running back. One is safety. Let me tell you what Derwin James did. Eight-year contract worth over, listen to this, $21.4 million a year. 96.7 guaranteed at signing. Man, that's pretty good. You're going to make 21.4 a year over eight years. I don't know. That's 170 damn near. 96.7 at signing. Hey, Derwin, baby, 
Here's $96.7 million. Wow. It's pretty good. They say it's four years. I'm sitting here saying it's four years. Uh, This one says $76.4 million. I don't know. All right, here's another source. Four-year extension, averaging 19.1. $42 guaranteed. $29 year one. It just depends on what you want to read. Don't care. You know what? Good for Derwin James. See, it's not my money. See, you guys get all involved in the salary cap. I don't, but all I heard was safety is marginalized, and I sit there and I go, wait a second, safety can't be marginalized. It's a passing league. What was that kid's name? Dart? The safety for the 49ers? Catch the ball. You go to the Super Bowl. That's not marginalized. Catch the ball in the NFC Championship game. I talk about it almost every day. Catch the ball, fall down, 10-point lead, under 10 minutes. Jimmy G goes to the Super Bowl, and the whole Matt Stafford thing is considered a bust. He drops the ball. Guess what? Matt Stafford leads him on a comeback, all these passes. The Matt Stafford thing is not a bust. It's the way to go about business. Dart's gone. Jimmy G's gone. The world is blown up. Safeties matter. Safeties matter. Derwin James matters. Good for Derwin James. I'm all in on those kind of things. I love those kind of things. I do. In the city of Indianapolis, we have the softest, most ridiculous media ever. All right? I call out the Colts ad nauseum. I call out other media members ad nauseum to the point where I made one guy admit adultery. I made one guy cry uh, on Twitter about, I don't respect you. One guy said, I have a trash radio show and I should stop swinging or I should stop talking about his testicles. They don't like the media when you, well, frankly, don't kiss their backside. See, media guys are the kind of guys that nobody talked to in high school. They hung around the athletes. They hung around. They didn't play. They hung around. So nobody paid attention to them. Then they go to journalism school or they fall fall into a job. Now, all of a sudden, they're writing. Now, all of a sudden, they're doing a hit on TV. Now, all of a sudden, somebody recognizes them. Media guys, particularly writers, have never, ever, ever been able to handle any criticism. So they get mad at me. I criticize the local media in Indianapolis about one-tenth that I criticize Chris Ballard and the Colts. About one-tenth. But the difference is media guys are weak. They're going to run to Twitter. I'm going to punch out a column. I'm going to tell that Dockage he has a trash radio show. They're weak. They're soft. Guys that participate, guys that have been in the arena, frankly, are tough. Look, I'm a freaking senior in high school. I'm going to Indiana. I'm the man. Big article comes out. Local coaches pick their top five players in the area. Three or four of them didn't have me on it. I'm like, yeah. So what did I do? I dropped 35 in the biggest game of the year, the regional championship, and I flip off two of the coaches that didn't vote for me. I've been used to being ripped since I was 18 years old. These media guys haven't. Jimmy Ursay's been in the NFL 50 years. He's seen every part of it. Chris Ballard's been in the league 23 years. He was a player at Wisconsin. He's used to being ripped. I rip him every day. 
every day. I make fun, I rip. But do they get all upset? No, because as athletes, you know the deal. So what did Jimmy Ursay do yesterday? It's my birthday. I'm doing my show. Jimmy Ursay walks over and gives me a game ball. That's pretty cool. He signed it down here, put the date on it, and threw a little piece on it. He came over. I didn't know it was happening. He came over in his cart, drove over with a guy. You know, he's got guys. Drove over, gives me a game ball. Dan, I want to – I go, Jimmy, I've been a jackass to you guys. You know, he said, nah, you're provocative. Nah. Hey, we're used to it. We're big boys. And I thought to myself, what a difference between that and the Indy Star media. What a difference between that and the ESPN.com guy or the athletic guy. These guys, for the first time in their lives, people are actually knowing who they are and they can't be criticized. I kill the Colts. I kill them every day. But we understand, man. Ballard comes on my show. And all these guys say, well, I don't understand why Ballard comes on your show. Because we're grown-ups. It's part of the business. We're not media children. We're not. I got one media guy walks around at Colts camp wearing high tops and no socks. Think he's a respectful guy of his possess, poss, uh, profession? Hell, hell no. But Ursay, Ballard, Kevin Pritchard of the uh, uh, Pacers, Carlisle, I kill him. But the difference between having been a player and being in the arena and being a little whiny media guy that can't handle any criticism, I must go to my typewriter. I must go to my Twitter account. Oh, he said this. Oh, Doc, it's your trash. Uh, also, Jimmy Ursay spoke yesterday. <clears throat> this was interesting. Jimmy Ursay, you got to understand something. I'm going to preview the Titans coming up. But Jimmy Ursay and the older Colts feel like the AFC South has always been run by the Colts. To this day, they talk about that. As Dylan said in my ear before the show, we were talking, he goes, oh, they are living in the past. They're living in the Peyton Manning era. Because you're right, because the Colts haven't won a division title under this regime. Been six years now. Which is one of the reasons I'm on their backside. It's the easiest division in football. So Jimmy Ursay yesterday, to all of us in Indiana and Indianapolis, talked about, well, we got to come after the Titans. He's right. When you look at the AFC South, Titans, number one seat in the entire AFC. Why? I don't know if they were that good. I do know that they played in the easiest division in the AFC and did what they needed to do despite not having Derrick Henry. The Colts, hey, 11 and 6, 11 and 5 a few years ago, pretty good. Got to the playoffs. Last year, 9 and 8, didn't make the playoffs. Pressure year this year. Haven't won the division, haven't had a home playoff game, and frankly, haven't finished the season great. At least they didn't last year. So Ursay talking about the Titans is two things. One, shocking because it's never been that. Never in the city of Indiana. I'm talking about Indy's one of the great cities to live for former players, whether it's Indiana basketball players, Purdue basketball players, Pacers, Colts, doesn't matter. And anytime the guys like Jeff Saturday or whoever 
They talk about their dominance in the division, and they should because with Peyton, they dominate. But for him to talk about the Titans not only says the Colts have dropped, but how far the Titans have come. Because I'm telling you, that man right there, Ursay, is a prideful, prideful man. And he ain't comfortable talking about another team in that division. He sleeps, eats, breathes football. He is one of the few owners that was everything from a ball boy to an equipment guy to a try-to-be player to the general manager to the president to the owner of the whole thing. He's been the whole thing. He don't like talking about the Titans. And I thought that was interesting and good for the Titans. We'll preview them coming up. Um, don't judge a book by its cover. Don't. Hey, uh, Dylan, let's show the brawl yesterday, or I guess it was a day and a half ago. Can we show the brawl at uh, Panthers and, and Patriots camp? They had a brawl. It's a pretty good brawl. I'm going to tell you why the brawl was started. And I love why this brawl was started. I'm just telling you. This brawl right here, it keeps going. Like, these dudes want a piece of each other. It was started because Mac Jones, who I will give you, looks like a daggone choir boy, all right? Mac Jones just looks like a guy that you go, oh, man. He's just a nice guy. He looks like the guy in the neighborhood. Just a good dude. Nuh-uh. Mac Jones completed a touchdown pass and ran up to a defender on the freaking uh, Panthers and called him a little batch. That's right. He called him a little batch. The defender obviously, shove Mac Jones. So what happens when you shove a quarterback, right? When you shove a quarterback, you know the deal. We all know the deal. You shove the quarterback, then everybody's going to start throwing hands. Just what's going to happen. So Mac Jones is throwing hands. The quarterback, when he gets pushed, there's going to be a problem. And next thing you know, we're fighting. I love Mac Jones. I do. I'm sorry. I do. Hey, he looks like you could just pick on him. He looks like, eh, ain't nothing to that guy. Uh, There's a little bit to Mac Jones. That tells me Mac Jones is going to be just fine, ladies and gentlemen. Just A-OK. When you're starting brawls with the other team because of your cockiness and you're the quarterback, Oh, yeah, I'm good with it. Oh, yeah. Hey, I got Jason Allen Hammer coming up. We got a lot to talk about, and I don't mean a little bit. Also, uh, the damn awards for the week. I got some good ones, including something about Joe Burrow. Alec Pierce, the wide receiver for the Colts, he showed out. You're not going to believe what I'm going to tell you about USC and UCLA. You're not going to believe it. You're, you're not. I, I didn't believe it. when I, I Actually, I, I did research. See, I got papers. You will not believe what I am going to tell you about those two schools coming to the Big Ten. Hey, baby, it's a Thursday. It's hammer time. Do yourself. No, that's not hammer time. Uh, Do yourself a favor. 
Retweet our show. Get it out there. Let's get some more viewers. Let's make this the biggest show in the world. YouTube chat, let's see what you got. Uh, we'll be right back. Jason, Alan, hammer time. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Oh, baby. He's the busiest man in show business. You hear him on 93.1 WIBC. Go to WIBC.com to hear the number one show in the history of the world. It is the Hammer and Nigel show. Jason Hammer gives us a political update basically every week that is second to none, greater than all. Let's get it rolling, Hammer Time. Liz Cheney with a little problem this week. Uh, I can't win in my own state. I get about 28% of the vote, but I'm going to go be president. Okay, Liz, pull this and place <laughs> jingle bells. So how many times have I told you, Coach, all elections are local, politics are local, and local elections matter? Now, I get this was for a seat in Washington, a House seat. But when you completely ignore the wishes of the people in your own state, when you give a big middle finger to your constituency, this is how you end up getting your ass handed to you in a primary. She lost by nearly 40% in a primary as the incumbent. I'm going to sound like Alan Iverson here for just a second, the famous, we're talking about practice speech. We're talking about a primary, not a general not a general election, the incumbent lost by 40%, damn near 40% in a primary. Now, listen, everybody's going to say it's because she went against Donald Trump. And part of that is true. But you can be against Donald Trump and still have success as a Republican. Of the 10 people who voted to impeach Donald Trump, two of them have managed to survive in advance to November. And in a high-profile example, let's look at the state of Georgia. Their governor, Brian Kemp, right now, if that election were today in Georgia, he would beat Stacey Abrams, the Democrats' darling Stacey Abrams. Brian Kemp's not a Trump guy. Donald Trump has actually backed and funded his opponent. But because people like Brian Kemp and these other two members of the House that voted to impeach Donald Trump but also focused on their home state, they survive in advance. Liz Cheney didn't do that. It all became orange man bad. Everything about Liz Cheney became orange man bad. The January 6th commission, it's her job all of a sudden to save democracy. She's the only one that's going to save democracy. Is that what the people of Wyoming wanted? Because keep in mind, and again, it's played out, it's cliche, we, the people, pay your salary. And when you ignore the wishes of the people who put you into Washington to do the bidding of the state of Wyoming, which let's be honest, you don't even live in, you spend more time in Virginia than Wyoming, this is going to happen. You can be anti-Trump. You can be a never Trump Republican and still advance if you focus on what's happening in your home state. And this is a lesson that Liz Cheney has learned. And you're right. Comparing herself to Abe Lincoln, laying the groundwork to run for the president. Let's be honest. There's a better chance of myself and you, Coach, winning the presidency than Liz Cheney. But before we completely laugh at what she's wanting to do, we need to understand what this lunatic wants to do. She knows she's not going to win. But if she can pull a Ross Perot, if she can get together and start a third party or join a third party, 
with Adam Kinzinger and some of these other good time party boys from the January 6th committee and try to siphon two or three percent of the Republican vote, that can cost Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis an election. In 2016, the election came down to about three states and 80,000 votes. In 2020, the presidential election came down to about three states and 20,000 votes. Before we just completely dismiss and laugh at old lady Cheney here, understand what she wants to do. She wants to be the blank blocker, if you know what I'm saying, to the Republican nominee. And by getting two or three percent, she could absolutely do that. Uh, you are a magnate. You are everywhere. So occasionally during this talk, I'm going to throw in a betting question. Seven to eight tonight on 107.5 The Fan. You can hear my man on You Bet with Bet Rivers uh, on 107.5 The Fan. Big dog. Colts over under. You got to make a prediction. Ten wins. Over. Over. And it's not because I have a lot of faith in the Indianapolis Colts. It's because that division stinks. Uh, Jacksonville's going to be a little better. I'm one of the people that's still in on Trevor Lawrence. Um, Houston, they're going to stink. Davis Mills isn't bad, but Houston stinks. Tennessee, they're well coached. They got the best coach in the division. Uh, but man, A.J. Brown was a Colt killer and they got rid of him. And usually rookie wide receivers don't play that big of a role in the win total for teams. So I think the Colts win the division. You win about 85% of your division games here. You split with the, the Titans. You probably drop one maybe along the way between the Jags and the, uh, the Texans. Man, I think you pick up a few wins, you got 10. Doesn't mean I think the Colts are going to make a deep run, but I think they win that division. And uh, 10 wins is the minimum to do that, going over. I agree. I totally agree. And, and the reason I asked you that is because I swear to God, people are crazy with me. They're like, no, you'll push on that. They're a 500 team. I said, well, you can't be 500. There's 17 games. You're either 9 and 8 or 8 or 9, but just to be a smart Alec. All right. Um, interesting stuff from teachers' unions. I talked yesterday about a Minneapolis teachers' union basically saying, hey, look, we're going to fire white people regardless of seniority, white teachers, regardless of seniority, if we have layoffs. Teachers Union head Randy uh, Weingarten blames teacher shortage on Republicans like <laughs> the governor of Texas and the governor of Florida. Come on, Abbott and DeSantis. What are you thinking here? You can't make this kind of stuff up. Nobody has done more harm to students in the classroom than Randy Weingarten. This horrible woman who, again, I'm still not convinced that she's not Joe Namath. I've never seen Joe Namath and Randy Weingarten in the same room together. But this horrible woman has been using students as human shields ever since the pandemic began. She doesn't give a blue rat's ass about the education of students in the classroom. All it's about is getting teachers more money. And for some of these red states, like Florida, like Texas, where their governors have been pretty quick to get rid of a lot of the restrictions in place and trying to get kids back in the classroom, well, that put her panties in a wad. So it's clearly all these horrible Republicans' fault that there's a teacher shortage in this nation. Until it's not. When you actually sit down and do just a little bit of research 
and you look at the facts and you look at the numbers, look where they have the biggest teacher shortages, coach. And I spent some time doing this yesterday with my friend Tony Kennett. Tony Kennett of Chalkboard Review does a great job of breaking down a lot of these narratives about the classroom. The places where you find the biggest openings, where they have the most shortages in this country, are very liberal cities and its inner cities, places ran by Democrats. The places in the suburbs, predominantly, they're doing just fine. They may be a few teacher shortage, but it's certainly not a crisis. Where is the crisis at? The crisis is in your major public schools, your major cities. When you look around this nation, who runs those cities? It's Democrat. In my city of Indianapolis, it's a Democratic mayor. It's a Democratic city county council. And yes, it's a Democratic prosecutor. And that goes into play here because the reason a lot of these teachers don't want to work, they fear for themselves in the classroom. It might not be the only reason, but it's a big reason. The behavior of students in some of these classrooms is reprehensible. My wife used to be a teacher. She was a teacher's aide at a uh, public school in Indianapolis. The stories she would tell me, the things thrown at her head and the way these kids would act, I get it. Should teachers be paid more? We can have that discussion. A lot of them certainly do. But I understand why somebody would say, Listen, I know I've got a teacher's degree, an education degree, but do I want to go into the wild, wild west here and break up fights all day where I could get my ass whipped? Do I want to have things thrown at my head? These are the things happening in the inner cities. And the reason I brought up the prosecutor is some of these kids should be behind uh, a juvenile system. But in my city, in a lot of blue cities around this country, it's that revolving door of the justice system. Slap an ankle, ankle bracelet on somebody, they get right back out. Whether that's a high school, whether that's an elementary, whether that's a jail, whether that's a juvenile. The behavior of students in some of these cities is a big reason why there is a teacher shortage. It has nothing to do with Ron DeSantis. It has nothing to do with Governor Abbott. It's a combination of things. The lack of parenting, out of control students, uh, a discussion about teacher salaries, but the biggest problems you're finding are in Democrat-led cities. Hammer time. Let me go to another sports question. Do you have a degenerate pick of the day, or is that not up yet? Oh, if you're betting preseason football, you are my people. You are a degenerate. Big Papa welcomes you with open arms. And tonight, I believe we've got the Chicago football bears on the road in Seattle, don't give me this 12th man crap. It's preseason. Both of the Bears quarterbacks didn't look too bad in week one. And Seattle, look at their quarterback situation right now. Good Lord, that's bad. So give me the Bears and the points tonight. You want a degenerate special? I got you. Give me the Chicago Bears. Give me the points. You make that bet. You suffer through three and a half to four hours of preseason football. We're going to Sizzler, my friend. Yeah. Hey, I was in uh, Northwest Indiana where everyone's a Bears fan, and I was in a big golf tournament. The Bears, what, they beat the Patriots week one exhibition, and they were all like, this is our year. Eberflus <laughs> is our guy. We're going to the Super Bowl, baby. Yeah. Every Anytime year, man. you can give me, this is it. Justin Fields. I'm going to preview the Bears 
coming up here in a little bit. For those of you knowing the line is three and a half, I'll take it, and my toes will be tapping. What? So the CDC, they're saying, eh, we kind of didn't handle this right. Can we have a do-over? What's going on with the CDC? The CDC has decided, you know what? Maybe, just maybe, we didn't handle the coronavirus pandemic very well, and we probably have already screwed up monkeypox at this point. So they're doing what we all did as kids playing football in the street. They're calling it a do-over. Like, if you're playing a football game in the street as a kid and somebody says you're out of bounds, somebody says you're not. Or if you can't remember which down it is, you just say, screw it, do-over. All right? That's what the CDC is doing here. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think you can do that at this point. It feels like it's a little too late for uh, Walensky and the folks at the CDC. People have lost their jobs because they didn't want to get this vaccine that you promised was the end all to be all. There were people that changed the way they have to live because they couldn't open up their business because of the CDC's recommendations that businesses have to shut down. And this was a mess from the very beginning. And I know Walensky hasn't been there for all of it, but you're the face of it now, right? If you're the manager of a baseball team and you come in midway through the season, I don't care what's happened before, this is your ship now. And you don't just get to have a do-over. That's not how this works. When people have had their lives ruined by the advice and the science that you've given out, the way that the CDC wagged its finger at people for daring to talk about immunity as a way to get over coronavirus. You talked about immunity, natural immunity, on social media like in October of last year, you were kicked off. Alex Berenson was kicked off for challenging some of the science that the CDC was trying to blow up our ass. And it turns out a lot of that science was wrong. So now they're just saying we're having a do-over. I don't even know what this means. Are they going to fire everybody and replace them with somebody else? It's too little. It's too late at this point. I think a lot of the people in this country have lost faith in the CDC. We've had experts shoved down our throats for two years now. Virology experts, CDC experts, science experts. It's been a rough two-year run for experts, Coach. What I've learned over the last two years is that anybody with expert next to their name, they're probably throwing darts at a board when it comes to your health. The Do you think we're going to see lawsuits. Like, is, are biz, can businesses file lawsuits here over having to shut down wrongfully? I mean, I think that everybody that was a quote expert and associated with a government entity ought to be very careful talking here. Um, does that make sense? I, I see where you're going. I don't think that there's a lawsuit there, unfortunately, because local authorities had to put those mandates into place. Right. Uh, so unfortunately, if the governor or the mayor of your city says this is what we're going to do, there's not much you can do about it. If they told you you have to shut down for help, most states constitutions give those authorities the right to do so. It sucks. You might not like it. But in times of a crisis, most states in their state constitutions have it to where the governor or even if they go down the line where local cities and local mayors get to make that call, 
unfortunately, there's not much you can do. What sucks is that a lot of these politicians were basing their closures off of what the CDC was saying. But unfortunately, unfortunately, ultimately, it's those mayors and governors that made the call. You know, Hammer, we saw earlier this week, and I talked about a couple that decided, well, we're going to have the sex on a Ferris wheel at Cedar <laughs> Point, and they're going to do it in front of some juvenile young ladies who, by police reports, caught everything. And I, when I say everything, I mean they saw it all, guy <laughs> and the girl and the parts and the whole freaking nine yards. You've got a story. I want to make sure that I understand this. A man was arrested in Fort Wayne for being naked at a kid's carnival, pointing at his crotch and yelling, bald eagle. Hammer, what's going on in our state? First of all, before we get to that story, I agree with you. Anytime you're talking about things related to fornication, when you put the word the in front of it, it's just better. They're having the sex. She wants the unit. Like anytime you put the word the in front of something, it's gold. It's absolute gold. But this story from Fort Wayne. So this pervert from Hamilton, Indiana, he's at some carnival in Allen County, home of Fort Wayne. And, you know, there's like a little kid circus going on. There's games. My man's walking around without pants on. He's walking around without underpants on. And he's yelling at people pointing to said crotch, bald eagle, bald eagle. And he keeps doing it over and over again. Now, this may come as a shock to a lot of people. The authorities believe alcohol may have been a factor. At one point, he was denied getting another beer from a vendor to which, and this is in the police report, I'm not making this up, he responded to the vendor, bald eagle, pointed to his crotch and said, you like what you see. And at one point, he's running around. He gets by the kids' carnival. And in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, how has this lasted so long? How is, hasn't somebody beat the hell out of this guy yet? He goes by the kids' carnival, starts yelling bald eagle, pointing at uh, Big Jim and the twins down there. Finally, the law enforcement arrives, and they arrest this guy, and now he's charged. So the moral of this story is simple. If you're ever at a carnival, at a ball game, at a concert, and you hear someone yell, Bald Eagle, don't look down because he's got something flopping and you don't want to see it. Look up. That's where the eagles are flying. Look up. Where? Where? Right. Where? I don't see it. They're up here. Why? What are we doing? <laughs> Hammer, what? Can you? I, here's how I look Bald at Bald Eagle. Right? <laughs> hey, when. I always look at things this way. What happens when this guy wakes up in a jail cell, sobers up? Like, what would be your first reaction? Like, you're not getting more booze if you're, you know, if you're an alcoholic you would, and you were at home, you'd just go to the vodka and forget the day. But this guy's going to be in a jail cell. He's not going to have the option to do that. What are you thinking when you wake up and you realize all the charges that are coming down on you? I always think that way, Hammer. Like, what are you doing the next day? Well, there's some soul searching to do the next day. You have to find your pants. I think so. Because uh, clearly you didn't have them the next day. But ultimately, 
this guy's probably going to get a slap on the wrist, right? That's the way the justice system works in this country. You can go to a kid's carnival, put your big, thick crank out there, your droopy sack, yell bald eagle, and you'll get a fine. You'll get hit with a couple days in the joint, but you'll be back out on the street. And this dude might even capitalize on it. We're telling the story here now. I bet radio shows across this country are probably going to share the story soon of Bald Eagle Guy. He's going to go somewhere, and he's going to capitalize off this. He might make a Bald Eagle T-shirt with an arrow pointing down to his junk. He might put a patent on it. I don't know. But in this country, the United States of America, you can break the law as long as you do it colorfully, and you can make a profit. Hey, I don't disagree with you. All right, what you got a betting show? All right, you going NFL? Not only a game, but are you going any futures picks? We already talked about the Colts. You like the Colts over ten? I like the Colts over ten. What are you talking about on a betting show? What do you like? So tonight, oh, we're going to do a lot of NFL futures. We've got college football futures because really, this is the last week to get those college football futures in. We're going to start having games next week. Uh, so we've got that going on. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the MVP What do you like? Give me a future. Football. Give me a future. Football, the value on the MVP race is really good. You can get Aaron Rodgers at 1,100 right now, plus 1,100. That's Aaron Rodgers. And I get the receiving core maybe down this year. But if you're looking for value, you've got Aaron Rodgers at plus 1,100. I'm not mad at that. The favorite is actually pretty good odds, too. Josh Allen. Very rarely are you going to get a favorite in any category that's plus 700. You can get that with Josh Allen if you think he's going to be the MVP. Lots of value up and down the board. We'll get into that. We'll get into some uh, player prop bets tonight. And DeGrom, I believe, is on the mound for the Mets tonight. We're going to take a look at that strikeout prop once that gets dropped. And maybe, just maybe, we'll take a good long look at putting some cash down. You know, one of the things that I did bet, um, and look, I'm not, it was a good value at one point. Now it is not, it's not a terrible value. But I did bet the Colts to win the division. I, I do think the Colts, even at minus 130, it was plus money when I did it. But I look at it. Is the Titans at plus 165? Is that decent value or is that not enough? Oh, that's good value. Uh, again, I think the Colts are going to win the division, but would I be shocked if they didn't? Absolutely not. Because Mike Vrabel coaches circles around Frank Reich. Everybody in the national media loves Frank Reich, but those who watch every single Colts game, you know that old Frankenmonster leaves quite a few points on the board. Sometimes he won't call the game to the point to where you're thinking, are you trying to lose this? Give the ball to Jonathan Taylor. What are you thinking? Uh, so Brable's the best coach in the, in the division. Uh, you could argue Derrick Henry is the best player in the division. I know Jonathan Taylor fans might not like to hear that, uh, but it's good value on the Titans. Absolutely. If you can get plus money in that division with either the Colts or the Titans, it's good value. See, I look at team schedules, and I had a bunch of people. I was talking a little bit about this yesterday on my other show, and um, I, 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 I look at schedules. 
People thought that plus 500 was good action on the Patriots. So I thought, you know what? I like Bill Belichick, right? I mean, that's all right to win uh, the AFC East. So I looked at it. Patriots, and I don't know how good they're going to be or aren't going to be, but they got to go to the Steelers. They got to go to the Packers. They got to go to the Vikings, who maybe, maybe not. I don't know. They got to go to the Raiders. I always look at the road games outside the division, and I think they've got a fairly difficult schedule, but I still think 500 uh, plus 500 on a Bill Belichick team in a division that I think, I don't know, maybe it's good, maybe it's not. The Dolphins, maybe they're better without uh, Brian Flores. But I look at plus 500 with Bill Belichick, and I say, hey, I'm okay with that. I'll take that. I thought it'd be higher, to be honest with you. When you said it was plus 500, I thought that number would be higher because Buffalo was clearly, I think, the class of that division. I like Buffalo a lot. I think Josh Allen's a stud. I think they've made good moves in the offseason. They've got one of the great home field advantages in all of the NFL. I thought that that would be a little bit higher, and I'm a little disappointed that it's not. Um, I don't think that division is all that bad. The AFC South is horrible. The AFC East, there's a couple teams in there that on any given Sunday can beat you. I wouldn't be shocked if the Jets got a hair up their ass and beat Buffalo once. Same thing with the Dolphins. But I don't know. As good as Buffalo is, I thought that would be a little bit higher for the Patriots. Yeah, I'm not doubting it either. I'll tell you a team that people like, uh, at least in over-unders. And again, I, I think this is so difficult. But I've had numerous people tell me, take the Saints over eight and a half. Their schedule sets up. Over eight and a half is minus 150, excuse me, minus 105. So you got to pay five, you know, a little bit of juice. But I look at it, and I don't know whether Alvin Kamara, I guess he's going to play. But that's a team that I, I swear to God, Hammer, every, quote, expert that I've had on my show with the NFL tells me, look out for the Saints, take the over eight and a half. So I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. So when it comes to the Saints, I go back to something that my friend, Bobby Slotman, who used to work in the casino industry with me, once told me, this is a guy that kind of taught me all the reins of sports betting and gambling. He told me, quote, son, do you want to put your hard-earned money on Jameis Winston? And that quote has <laughs> stayed with me for a long time. Either it's a no play or I'm going under, but son, do you want to put your hard-earned money on Jameis Winston? is something that I always take with me when I'm considering a bet. Yeah, dude. Yeah. He's going to be the Jose Canseco of football. He's going to be a 40-touchdown, 40 40-interception 40 guy. He's going 40-40 this year, pal. <laughs> like week one, hey. week one of last year, he was the MVP. And then after that, yeah. it was pretty much business as usual. Well, yeah, son – do you want to put your hard-earned money on, J <laughs> on Jameis Winston? Words um, of wisdom. Hey, appreciate you, my – thank you, my friend. That's his words of wisdom. Thank you, my friend. You're the best. Great stuff. Thank you. That's the great – at Jason Allen Hammer, at Hammer and Nigel. Fantastic show every day. I'm telling you, every day I drive home and I'm either listening to them or I'm listening to OutKick. Son – do you want to put your hard-earned money on Jameis Winston? Well, when you put it like that, no. 
No. No. I'm going to slap me in the face. But it's a soft face because I got me a petty yesterday. All right. When we come back, it's Thursday. You know what that means. Don't at me awards. Damn awards. They include Joe Burrow having a problem. Alex Pierce becoming a stud. UCLA, you're not going to believe what I'm going to tell you about UCLA. USC and UCLA come to the Big Ten. It is unfreaking believable what I'm going to tell you about these two. The money, oh, geez. All right, we're going to get into that, and then I'm going to preview the Bears. The Chicago Bears have a great schedule. They're over six and a half. We'll talk about what you should do with that. And also, I feel dumb because the OutKick boys and my guys Ryan and my guy Dylan, they all live in Nash, Vegas. Most of them love the Titans. They certainly know a lot about it, but I'm going to tell you about the Titans as well. Keep it right here. Retweet us. We'll be right back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the OutKick Network. All right, let's have a damn award. Hey, look, the YouTube chat, absolutely pumping. Does it every day. We appreciate you. BS, Fatty Maddie, Jody, Dantzman, Ryan Mueller, Sack Up Boys, The Outkick, and many, many, many more. Outkick's trying to say that they don't love. Stop it, stupid. Trying to say they don't love the Titans. They all love the Titans. You love them when you win. You don't love them when you lose. Don't at me. That's the name of the show. Don't at me awards. The damn awards. Did you know this? I always heard that this was really dangerous. I always heard that you could die from this, but you know what? Joe Burrow, get well soon. Joe Burrow's appendix actually ruptured. And the way that I has always told about Joe Burrow or anybody whose appendix that ruptures Well, it's kind of like this. Um, You could die from that. That's what I was always told. Look, be very careful. When you feel something about your appendix, be very careful because if it ruptures, then you can die. The poison from the rupture gets in there. And next thing you know, ladies and gentlemen, you die. So I'm glad Joe Burrow didn't die. Get well soon, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow was thankfully back at seven-on-seven practice. Joe Burrow is back slowly. You can't just come back from a ruptured appendix. Now, you can come back if your friends are awful human beings like myself and a couple other basketball coaches at Indiana were to a man named Ron Felling. Now, Ron Felling had appendix surgery. So what did we do? We made him, didn't make him, but we kind of talked him into playing golf uh, the day after he got out with having his appendix out. I'm not telling you that that's the way to go. And it's certainly different when it is ruptured. But Joe Burrow is an important part of the area that I live in. Look, here's the deal in Indianapolis. Most people in Indy, when you go to the south side of Indy, because it's only a couple hours away from Cincinnati, most people are Reds fans. Most people are Colts fans. But as you head southeast, Reds, 
Bengals, Reds, Bengals, 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 Bengals. You become a Bengals fan. So in my listening area anyway, I have a lot of people in Batesville, Indiana, and areas like that that are Bengals fans. And they've always been disgusted. I mean, I want you to think about this for a second. If you're a Bengal fan, what have you done over the last, let's just say, 20 years? You know what you've done? You've complained about Mike Brown. Mike Brown is the owner, the general manager, basically a very, very, very low-profile Jerry Jones. The Brown family basically started football in the NFL along with the Hallises. You know what I'm talking about. So Joe Burrow is actually the new Peyton Manning in our area. We had a chance with Andrew Luck. He quit. So now it's Joe Burrow. Everybody's so excited about Joey Ballgame, and now when he's out, there's a little bit of panic. And when he comes in, at least in seven-on-seven, don't touch me, Jersey, everybody gets excited. That's how good and how popular Joe Burrow is becoming. If Joe Burrow stacks years, he will become more popular than Peyton Manning. Book it. telling you. Now, he's got to stack years. He's the same kind of personality, although it feels like Joe Burrow has a little bit of edge. It feels like Peyton Manning, a little more packaged. You know, Peyton's one of those guys, and Joe Burrow is too, I'm sure, where everything he says, everybody laughs at. And that's cool. There's no problem with that. But the fact of the matter is, get well soon, because our area needs the Bengals, our area needs the Colts, and our area needs the Bears to be good. It's more fun. I'm not a fan. I am a fan. I'm a fan of the Colts. I am. I buy season tickets. I don't sit up with the slaps in the press box. I did it one day, and I'm like, yeah, I ain't doing this. No, this is horrible. It's like a tomb up there. Can't talk. Guys are jerks. Nah, it ain't all about that. I like watching as a fan, and when the Bengals are good, like they were in the last year, when the Colts are good, like they have been usually over the last two two decades, and when the Bears are good, which they never are, it seems like, it's more fun. Speaking of the Colts, yesterday a play was made. Let's roll the play. A wide receiver became a man yesterday. He became a stud yesterday. It was the Colts and the Detroit Lions getting after it. Dan Campbell, the Hard Knocks crew, came into Indianapolis. It was a celebration. We were there. Pat McAfee was there. All kind of national media dudes were there. And this kid right here made a name for himself. Second-round draft pick out of Cincinnati. He made a catch. Do we have it? Can we play it? He made a catch over the top into the end zone, and we lost our minds. Literally, every can we play it again? I got to see this thing of beauty. Alec Pierce is a phenomenal athlete. Alec Pierce, because if we could play it again, this catch, boom, corner of the end zone from Matt Ryan, made this dude a star because he did it on the right day. Now, here's what you got to understand. Look at this thing of beauty. He high-pointed the ball. He timed it. He used his volleyball slash basketball skills. He was a great volleyball player. His brother was a terrific basketball player, played at William & Mary, and uh, North Carolina is a fifth-year transfer. He high-pointed the ball 
all the local yokels said. But he did it at the right time. So he is now a stud. Let me explain wide receiver to you. Here in Indianapolis, and maybe in your town, certainly in Nashville, you're looking for a replacement. The Burks kid comes as a first-round pick, and you in Nashville want him to do something. We don't have a wide receiver here that is, I don't know, nationally known. We have Michael Pittman, who, by the way, is going to catch 100 balls, is going to go for 1,000 yards, and Naheem Hines, who you all should draft late in your fantasy draft because he's our version of Debo Samuel. But anyway, what a wide receiver has to do is the same thing that an edge rusher has to do. Make one play. Make one play. Make a play. You don't have to make 100 plays, particularly when you're a rookie. You don't have to make play after play like Cooper Cup. You don't have to do that. You know what you got to do? Make one play. So here is the reaction to this play. Some guy named Jordan Schultz of the Schultz Report. Alec Pierce is a monster. I don't know why he's not getting more love. 6'3", 4'4", 41-inch vert. Desmond Ritter, his quarterback at Cincinnati, told me he's just a ridiculous, talented guy who's always working. Colts hit a home run there, and I believe he's going to have a big-time rookie season. Some guy named Matt Hicks. Matt Hicks is at the FF underscore educator. So Matt Hicks, un- Matt Hicks educates us. Alec Pierce, now this is based on that catch, and he shows that catch, could end up being the best value the best value of the rookie class. Oh, okay. All right. All right. right. And then there's others that show Kair Elam putting the clamps on Alec Pierce. You make one play. Matt Ryan, Michael Pittman, and Alex Pierce continue to force their will on the Lions' defense. Pierce made a really nice catch falling on the ground. All you got to do is make a play like that in front of the national media, and guys cannot wait. They absolutely cannot wait to talk about you. Can't wait. But Alec Pierce is pretty good. And frankly, Alec Pierce is one of those guys that you kind of just like talking to. I've had him twice on my radio show in Indy. So if you're looking for a guy, if you're looking for a rookie of the year guy, if you're looking for somebody, I don't know, that you want to sound smart guy with, Alec Pierce, not a bad play. But remember, all you got to do is make one good play a game. Catch a couple short balls, make one good play, one good back shoulder catch, one good play, and your toes, they are a-tapping with Alec Pierce. So... Back up to reiterate that point. After the exhibition game, the articles, the gurus in Indiana, who never played a game, by the way, all said, wide receiver core, not good enough. Now Alec Pierce makes that play, and now he's great. It's awesome. The NFL's fantastic. Speaking of fantastic, you're not going to believe this. You're not. You're not going to believe this. I'm going, you know, you guys that know my show, gals that know my show, know that when I go to the face, something important is going to happen. If I go longer to the beard, then it's really important. 
but I'm going to the face down the beard. I'm shocked by this, although maybe I shouldn't be. So USC and UCLA leave. Okay, they leave the Pac-12. Fine. Those two schools leaving is going to cost the Pac-12 $13 million a year in media rights. Uh, 30% of that, 30% of the media rights are gone, 9.8 million, then 10% of the media rights are gone, 3.25. So basically, they're getting almost cut in half. They're at 40% loss because two schools left, but that's not the interesting part. The interesting part is this. UCLA, University of California, Los Angeles, athletic department, was $102.8 million in debt over their 23 sports. $102.8 million deficit in their athletic department housing 23 sports. See, this is where I say to you, college sports is not a business. It's not. If college sports was a business, UCLA wouldn't have 23 sports. UCLA, if if this were a business that was running its business intelligently, would, quote, trim the fat. All right? Trim the fat. They would get rid. They would be done with sports that aren't making money. See, the easiest thing in the world to say is that college bu- college sports is big business. Yeah, to some degree it is, but it's not run like a big business. It's not run that way at all. If it were run that way, you wouldn't have most of the sports that you have at UCLA. Now, you would have to have a certain amount of sports. You would have to have enough sports to uh, answer to Title IX, you would have to have, you know, that would be important. But let's be honest. Would you really have cross-country? Would you? Would you have rowing? I don't know. Would you have water polo? Maybe. I don't know. But I don't think you would. Would you really have beach volleyball? That making you money? I get it. It's a sport. It's out there. So if I were going to trim the fat, I got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. Would you really have both men's and women's water polo? I mean, would you? Does women's basketball make you any money? I'm not saying to cut any of these. I know gymnastics is very good. Does it make you money? I know soccer, very good. Most of these sports are very good. Does it make you money? Does swimming and diving make anybody money? Does men's or women's tennis make you any money? No, of course not. I mean, when you're talking about scholarships and the cost of scholarships, somebody's got to pay that bill. I'm not for eliminating anything, but I'm also not for, actually, I don't care. But I I get tired of people saying, well, this is all just a business. No, there's a difference. This is all just about money when you talk about football 
And you talk about expanding the playoffs, and you talk about UCLA and USC coming into the Big Ten. It's all about making money. It's all about erasing a $102.8 million deficit. But it isn't run like a business. Please, would you really have men's and women's tennis? Does track and field make you any money? Would you really have swimming and diving? Now, maybe you got to have softball. Maybe you got to have volleyball. Maybe, but men's and women's golf? Does that make you any money? Of course not. Absolutely not. Hell, football is probably killing you. You're playing that big, you know, the Rose Bowl, and you don't fill it. You don't get anybody there. So you need money. The big, the Pac-12 network hasn't been worth a damn. But I'm just saying. So next time somebody says to you it's a business, agree with them. It is, sure. But it isn't run like a business. It isn't. And anybody that thinks it is run like a business simply doesn't know. Because businesses run to do what? Make money. So you're telling me that UCLA, the athletic department, one of the great public institutions in our country, is dumb enough to run a business that loses $102.8 million a year. If that's the case, then they ain't one of the greatest institutions in the world. Certainly don't take economics from UCLA. So there you go. Anyway. That's my take on that. All right, let's move along. The Good For Him Award. When Mike Zimmer was the defensive coordinator of the Cincinnati Bengals, Mike Zimmer would come on my show. And I got to tell you, I love talking to Mike Zimmer. I really enjoyed it. It was a blast. Mike Zimmer has always been a guy's guy, a coach's coach. So Mike Zimmer goes up to Minnesota and does pretty well. He doesn't do great. A little bit hamstrung with a quarterback. His defense never finds footing. So, like most NFL coaches, he gets fired. But also, if you ever read a bio or a resume of of NFL or college coaches, it's freaking amazing. I mean, it's amazing the places they have been. GA at Tarlington State. Offensive line coach at Ferris State. Wayne State offensive coordinator, uh, operations guy at Indiana, assistant to the head coach at Indiana State. You get my point, right? It's insane how many places these guys have been. Well, Mike Zimmer, I like what he did here. He said, you know what? I want to coach. I do. I want to coach. So I'm going to join Jackson State. I'm going to join Deion Sanders. I'm going to go work for him. Good for Mike Zimmer, man. Good for Mike Zimmer. See, a lot of guys say, I want to coach. I don't care where I'm coaching. I don't care. Okay. All right. Uh, Larry Brown always says, hey, I'm going to go coach high school at the end of my career. No, he's not. No, he's not. He's on the bench in Memphis. Here's Mike Zimmer. Missouri, defensive assistant. Weber State, inside linebackers coach, defensive backs coach, Washington State, defensive coordinator, Cowboys, defensive assistant slash nickel. I don't know what that means. Then defensive back coach, defensive coordinator, Falcons, defensive coordinator, Bengals, defensive coordinator, Vikings, head coach. Now he's back as an analyst at Jackson State. Good for him. Yeah, that's a guy that wants to coach. That's a guy that's a coach's coach. So I like Mike Zimmer. 
I get it. If you're a Vikings fan, you don't like nobody. I'm a Vikings fan now because Ryan Grigson, the best general manager the Colts have had in the last two decades, is now with the Vikings. He's the second in command or second assistant general manager. He's the second to the general manager. So I'm a Vikings fan. I like Mike Zimmer as the head coach because I like Mike Zimmer. But Mike Zimmer's doing what a lot of coaches say they're going to do but don't do. Put his ego aside. Said, you know what? I'm going to be an analyst. Jackson State, Deion Sanders is going to be fun. Good for Mike Zimmer. I like it. What do I always tell you? Look at me. Get over. Look at me. What do I always tell you? I always tell you it's always the same people. It's always the same people saying stupid things. I mean, here in Indianapolis, the Indy Star is always going to write an article on me. So people in Indy would say, well, Doc, it's in Indy. It's always you. Not in a good way. Not in a great way. Just in a way. But it's always, 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 never fails to be the same person. Who am I talking about here? Antonio Brown. I can't stop being a fool award. Antonio Brown, when last seen, was taking off his shirt, going to the end zone, uh, giving it all this, and in a limo, on his way to try to sell a rap album. Now, I don't know whether that rap album made it. I don't know. I am in the rap community, as my stepson Jared, at Jay Shaw, is a fantastic rapper. All right? Antonio Brown started out this week with a tweet four days, six days ago by saying, my biggest regret in my career doesn't involve calling my GM a, quote, cracker or showing up to Raiders camp late in the hot air balloon with frozen feet or throwing rocks at that UPS driver, and it definitely doesn't involve taking my shirt off and doing a victory lap around Jet Stadium mid-game while throwing up douches. My biggest reset, regret, this is, this is the greatest. This is awesome. Stay here. Tell your friends it's coming. My biggest regret is I'll never get to see me, Antonio Brown, play a game live. Sure. I can watch the game afterwards, but I can't imagine what that was like for you all to see something like that. Just watching the Beatles or Jesus perform at Red Rocks. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree, man. I agree. Yeah. I mean, it's true. I feel bad for Antonio Brown because when I look straight ahead, I get to see Dan Dockage perform me, perform every day on Geist. It's like the Beatles. It's like Antonio Brown performing at Red Rocks. It's like Antonio Brown performing in Lucas Oil Stadium or down there in Tampa or in Pittsburgh, Heinz Field. I, every day, get to look at myself. There I am. Man, are you a handsome guy. So glad I get to see it live because it's unbelievable. I hear you. I feel you, Antonio Brown. I feel you. And those of us that get to see greatness live 
every single day. Those of you that get to watch YouTube, those of you that are on the OutKick, those of you that are watching on Facebook, I got to tell you, you're welcome. Yep. You are so welcome. You get to see all this live. I'm so happy. I get to see all this live. It's fantastic. It's unbelievable. Getting to see all this live is the highlight of every day. Getting to see all this right there on a monitor, right here on a computer screen. My God, I can only, my God, imagine how great it is for my wife every day to watch all this live, to get to go through a day with Dan Dockage live at Geist Reservoir and do it live. I can only imagine those of you that watch from noon to three on 107.5 The Fan's YouTube feed. I can only imagine how great it is for you to get to see the Beatles or Jesus or Antonio Brown, Dan Dockage live. I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Wasn't that a song? I think it was a song. I do. I think it was a song. And look, ladies and gentlemen, I'm getting older. I'm getting older. So as I get older, ladies and gentlemen, I got to tell you, uh, there might not be this for all that many more years. So enjoy it while I'm here. And I'll try to do the same. Congratulations to my friend Michael Grady. I just saw where Michael Grady landed the job as a the um, the Minnesota Timberwolves television play-by-play host. Michael Grady was going to be a star. You could tell Michael Grady was going to be a star. You knew Michael Grady was going to be a star. He was in New York. I'm very happy for MG. Now, I'm not done with Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown then said he called out Tom Brady. He called out Tom Brady's absence. He said, you get to go home. Tom Brady, uh, I'm going to try to make this. Tom Brady, manipulate the game. Gets 14 days, go home, get his mind, R-T-L-O-L. Now you see the difference. Put that S on. Okay. Still no justice for the real. Then he made a threat to Alex Guerrero, who is Tom Brady's longtime assistant. Alex Guerrero, you think I won't have you smacked at TB12? Boy, stop playing with me. Boy getting paid by bucks and taking players' money too. All right. I don't know what to tell you. But I tell you this, Antonio Brown, you are the gift that keeps on giving, and I am so glad I got to see you live. It was a thrill. Deuces. Yeah. Deuces. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, I got previews for you. It's NFL time. Bump it above, bump it above, bump it above, bump it above, bump it above. Think about Antonio Brown for a second. Yeah, I don't regret throwing those rocks at the UPS driver. Why are you throwing rocks at a UPS driver? Yeah, I don't, my, I don't regret calling my GM a cracker. 
So you're a racist punk. What are we doing? (laughs) You think Alex Guerrero, his name is Guerrero, you think uncapitalized I wouldn't have you smacked at TB12, boy. Stop playing with me. Boy getting paid by bucks and taking players' money too. All right. Well, all right, man. Good for AB. Deuces. We'll be right back. I got Bears and I got Titans. First, we're going to preview the Titans, and I'm going to tell you how to bet the Titans. I'm also going to tell you what's real, what's not real about the Titans. And from an Indianapolis fan, I'm going to tell you why we hope the Titans lose a lot. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Look, here in Indianapolis, I talked about this earlier. Jimmy Ursay yesterday gave me a game ball. Now, I'm not going to be like these little slaps that you see on TV that never played, and they put a football behind them so that people actually think they played football. We may go out and play with this bad boy. I got a nice hose on me. I had a doctor repair the labrum slash rotator cuff. Hey, I can wing it around, you know. Anyway, no, we won't. This is very nice. And Jimmy Ursay yesterday spoke to the media. Jimmy Ursay, one of the things that he said, which was very shocking to a lot of us, was, hey, look, look, um, we got to come after the Titans. I mean, what do you want me to tell you? The Titans have ruled the roost. That is so rare for Jimmy Ursay. That is so unlike Jimmy Ursay to talk like that. Old heads, old G's here in the Indianapolis area, we always talk about the Colts as if they are, well, the dominant team in the AFC South. They haven't won the AFC South in over six years. All right? They haven't won the AFC South. So the Titans have. The Titans have been the best team. In fact, if you're trying to beat the best team, the number one seed in the AFC, it's the Titans. But it was very, very shocking to me. All right. Let's talk about whether or not the Colts can hang with the Titans. First thing you got to understand, on draft night, first-round pick, uh, the Colts got. No, they didn't have a first-round pick. But in the world of the Colts, the Colts felt like they won the first day of the draft because A.J. Brown, who I believe to be a Colts killer, and maybe he's an everybody killer, ended up getting traded. Now, with A.J. Brown gone, I don't know how you feel, I feel like you've got a quarterback in uh, Ryan Tannehill who's okay. He's good. He's, he's nice. He had a bad playoff game, but he's a good player. All right? So you have a quarterback that is a good player that just lost, in my opinion, his number two weapon. If you're, if you're going to say anything, you got to go the number one weapon of the Titans. Certainly has to be Derrick Henry. I mean, the dude rushed for 10 touchdowns. The dude rushed for over 900 yards. The dude, uh, frankly is arguably the most dangerous weapon in the league, non-quarterback or wide receiver. I would argue that anyway. I mean, you know, a lot of people can, a lot of people can't. But to my knowledge, uh, excuse me, now you've got one of the weapons gone. So you bring in a kid, you bring in the Burks kid, and it seems like, and I don't know why, people that are there may tell me differently, but I always look at this. 
You know, they say the best ability is availability and all that kind of stuff. All right. That dude seems like every single day he is either being helped off, walked off, asthma off. I don't even know. But I saw the other day, here he is. He is, oh, being walked off the field with a trainer. That ain't good. It ain't good. I mean, whatever the problem is, it doesn't concern me. Hope he's fine. But the, pr- the truth of the matter is, when the NFL starts, you can't name. Last year, let's say for the sake of argument, all right? Actually, I can do that for this game. The Colts went into Tennessee, and it was a game Carson Wentz was banged up. But guess what? Carson Wentz played. Can you name any games that the Titans played where the other team had star players out? Can you even remember? Probably not. Now, most teams can remember when Derrick Henry's out. We played him without Derrick Henry, that kind of thing. But when you look back on a season, you look back at one thing and one thing only, and that is the record. If there's going to be a second thing, the record plus what you did in the playoffs. You know, I'm sure Buffalo still looks back at those 13 seconds against uh, the Chiefs and says, man, what the heck? But they, you know, you move on, you look at record, and you don't worry about who wasn't there. So let's talk about who is there. This is how NFL folks are looking at it. I promise you this. NFL folks are saying to themselves, hmm, Ryan Tannehill in the summer made ways. Ryan Tannehill said, I'm not necessarily going to be a mentor to Malik Willis. Malik Willis came out in the first game and didn't look terrible. I'm not saying he's the answer. I'm not saying he's going to press. But I am saying the way Malik Willis played, you're looking at a guy that fans may be clamoring for. They may be. I'm not saying they're going to be, but I'm saying they may be. Now, when you look at the Titans, one of the things that you have to look at is the quarterback position. Look, I think the quarterback position is just fine. Guys in Tennessee will tell you this is a monster year for Ryan Tannehill. He's got to get better. It would be very helpful if Robert Woods came back sooner than later. Uh, Nick Nick Westbrook, as we called him here in Indiana, I got to tell you, I didn't see this coming. I thought he was a good receiver. But one of the things about professional football as you know, professional basketball, as you know, is right place, right time, right opportunity with the right organization. And that's what Nick Westbrook fell into. He is going to be key. Robert Woods coming back. People love Robert Woods. I mean, people think Robert Woods is a do-it-all guy. Burks, questionable already. He's the guy supposed to take the place of A.J. Brown. That doesn't look like it's actually going to happen. Offensive line, solid. Key, the defense. And let me give you a guy. God dang it. Danico Autry came over and with Jeffrey Simmons, man, Bud Dupree, who got a misdemeanor rap for a fight in a food store, Kevin Bayard, B-Y-A-R-D, who's from Middle Tennessee. These guys had a hell of a defense last year. Danico Autry is the one that makes me crazy, though. Makes me crazy. Danico Autry comes over. Seemingly great guy, drafted by the Colts, drops nine sacks, nine sacks on him, 20th in the league. You know, that's pretty good. You take a team's cast off, because he was pretty much cast off by the Colts, and you drop nine sacks on him. Key is going to be this. Are their wide receivers going to be good enough? I mean, it's very, very simple. 
Is Burks, is Woods, are Burks, are Woods going to be healthy? That's the biggest question you have. Obviously, if you're going to be successful, Tannehill has to be better, certainly in the playoffs, and Henry has to play an entire year, but they also showed that they don't need Henry. But you better have some wideouts. You know, last year's Julio Jones experiment failed because he couldn't stay on the field. This year, we're going to see what happens with not one but two guys. And you don't have the number one guy there. You don't have A.J. Brown there to cover all the warts, to cover all the injuries, to make the plays when others aren't on the field. And that's a really big deal. Austin Hooper's a fine tight end. Nothing wrong with Austin Hooper. He's good. But this is going to be Derrick Henry, the defense, until further notice or until the wide receiver crew gets itself going. We think we got problems with wide receiver here in the great state of Indiana. We don't have squat compared to what's going on without A.J. Brown, without Julio Jones, and with an injured Woods and an injured Burks. We'll see what happens. But here's the key. Here's where I think the Tennessee Titans are going to struggle. They got to go to the Chiefs. They got to go to the Packers. They got to go to the Bills. They got the Colts and the – excuse me, they got the Cowboys – and the Bengals, both at home. You're talking about five games against the best of the best. And make no mistake, the Cowboys just don't play well in the playoffs, but regular season, they're pretty good. By the time they get to the Bengals, uh, by the time uh, the Titans get to the Bengals, Joey Ball game should be just fine. But they start out the season uh, a little bit interesting here. Three of the first five are on the road. Now, when you look at three of the first five on the road, you say to yourself, all right, got a chance to open up the season against the New York football giants, who by all accounts aren't that pleased with Daniel Jones. And then you go to Buffalo. Now, Buffalo is a bit of a different deal. Here's why. You're going to play Buffalo on September 19th. The weather's going to be nice. That favors Tennessee. See, Buffalo's one of those teams that can play in anything. The Colts, our team, hasn't developed a dome presence, meaning speed, speed, and more speed. Buffalo play any way you want. So you go to Buffalo, then you come home with Vegas. You need to be 2-1 and one there. Then you go to Indy, which will be a difficult game, and then the Commanders. You go to Washington. I'm not saying those things are tough, but hey, then the next five, it's still a little sexy. You got to play Indy at home. Then you play Houston on the road, fine. Then you got to go to Kansas City. Then Denver comes in. We don't know what the heck Denver's going to be. Who knows? Denver may be great. Russell Wilson may lead him. And then you got Green Bay. So in the next five stretch, you got three of the next five at home. So you got six of the first ten on the road, and those include Green Bay. In Green Bay, November 17th could be snowy. At Kansas City, they're just good. At Houston, we'll see. You got to play the Colts, and that'll be a tough one. And you've got Denver. It ain't easy. Now, the end of the schedule, I ain't mad at. The end of the schedule, I don't know. The last five, you've got, in order, Jacksonville at home. You should win that one. At L.A., the Chargers. All right, that's tough. Houston at home, Dallas at home, and at Jacksonville. You, you, regardless of how this goes, you're in pretty good shape to win four of the last five, and that's big. Winning four of the last five, and if I want to jump it up even farther, at Philadelphia, 
maybe you win five of the last six. And Cincinnati at home, maybe you win six of the last seven. But I'm taking those two out because those are 50-50 games. The games that I'm looking at, Jacksonville is not a 50-50 game. If everything goes to Hoyle, I would think that the Titans will be an eight-point favorite. At the Rams, they might be an underdog. Houston at home, they'll be an eight-point favorite. Dallas at home, they'll be a two-and-a-half to three-point favorite. Jacksonville on the road, depending on how that whole thing plays out right now, you'd say they'd be a five-point favorite. So you got a real opportunity to finish strong. But like most teams, you know, you're starting out with some ifs because we don't know. Is Daniel Jones really bad? I don't know. We'll talk about it probably next week. Indianapolis. I think Indianapolis is going to be good. I don't think the commanders are going to be very good. But anyway, long story short, I think nine wins, I would take the over. I would take the over, and I wouldn't panic early in the season. Now, the beauty of nine wins is a tie is nine. Nine and a half, I don't think I'd take it. I I don't think I would. But nine wins, yeah, I'd take it. I got a little tie protection there. Again, you're talking about a lot of ifs. It feels like, and in talking to the fellas here, that Derrick Henry is just fine. That's what it feels like. It feels like, hey, don't worry about it. You got 99 problems and D. Henry ain't one. All right, we all get that. But wide receiver is. And you don't have the great to cover all. You don't have like a Kelsey at tight. Hooper's very good. Hooper's very, very good. But you don't have a guy to cover them all. On to the Chicago Bears. Bear down, Chicago Bears. Grew up. Man, I remember when the Bears drafted Gary Huff out of Florida. I thought that was the guy. Here he comes. Why are they playing Mike Phipps and Bob Avellini? Give the ball to Gary Huff. Never really turned out well for Gary Huff. But here's the deal with the Chicago Bears. Let me tell you something. Let me give you a score. 1914, the Bears beat the Kansas City Chiefs. The Bears play tonight, and we're going to take the Bears in the points. Bears beat the Kansas City Chiefs. I was up in Chicago playing golf with a bunch of Bears fans, and Bears are going to the Super Bowl. Justin Fields is the man. They weren't saying that. They were being facetious. Bears fans aren't stupid. Bears fans are very smart. Let's talk about the Chicago Bears. A couple of things with the Bears. Number one, first and foremost, I got to tell you, I I, I just got to tell you, this is on Justin Fields. This whole deal is on Justin Fields and a new coach. Let me go to Justin Fields first. Justin Fields last year, it was a weird deal. Andy Dalton was going to be the quarterback no matter what. Seriously, no matter what. Justin Fields, they moved up to draft, but for whatever the reason, they didn't feel like Justin Fields should compete for the job, so they didn't have an open uh, competition. They put in Andy Dalton. It worked exactly as you would assume. They weren't very good. Andy Dalton was out. After eight games, Justin Field came in. Justin Fields was fine. I mean, 59% passing, that's not great. 1,800 yards, seven touchdowns, 10 interceptions. He ran for 420 yards. He's a dual threat guy. All right. Of the guys in this particular, this particular year, in this particular draft cast, Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence have to make the biggest jump. There is no ifs, ands, or buts. Justin Fields cannot be a guy, just cannot, absolutely cannot be a guy that doesn't have at least a two-to-one touchdown-to-interception ratio. He has to be really good for the Bears to be really good. When you look at the Bears and you look at the depth chart, when you go to ESPN or anywhere that has a depth chart, there is a little cue 
next to guys that are hurt. And it means questionable. Let me tell you why people have no idea what the Bears are going to be. Starting running back, David Montgomery. Nice running back, Q. Byron Pringle. I think he got arrested this summer. There's a Q. Vellis Jones Jr., other wide receiver. Starting wide receivers. There's a Q. Cole Komet, starting tight end. There's a Q. Held a backup tight end. Ryan Griffin. There's a Q. Center, Lucas Patrick. There's a Q. See what I'm getting at? You got a bad team with a quarterback that isn't established, and you got a boatload of guys that are hurt. I don't know what to tell you. Now, Byron Pringle is a speedster. Byron, Byron Pringle is a guy that could make a difference for Justin Fields. He really is. Cole Komet, too, the tight end. But Byron Pringle, I, he was like, it was, how do I put it? It was like, boom, this is another guy running fast for the Chiefs. And all of a sudden, he's over here, and you go, all right, all right. Let's see what you can do. Well, what he did was he got arrested. Don't get arrested. Try not to get arrested. That's what I say. It doesn't mean I'm right, but that's what I say. All right? I'm just saying. Who's the other person that the Bears' fortunes land on? Matt Eberfluss. I told you about Matt Eberfluss. He's the head coach of the Bears. Matt Eberfluss, my wife... My wife, ex-husband, brothers, everybody grew up with the Eberflusses. Great guys. Not good guys. Great guys. Matt Eberflus was here in Indianapolis. He was a defensive coordinator. His defenses were very good with takeaways. Shaq Leonard, man, he made plays. They ran to the football. They got interceptions, but they weren't very good at stopping you when they didn't get a turnover. They ranked at the bottom of the league in terms of yards given up. Bend, but don't turn over. Wait, bend, but then turn them over. Because if you bent, but didn't turn them over, you gave up four straight touchdowns and four straight possessions to the Baltimore Ravens. It's not the most attacking, aggressive style. It's not a, quote, monsters of the midway style. But somehow in the NFL coaching hierarchy, Matt Eberfluss had moved his way to the, okay, this is one of the next guys to get hired. Rick Venturi, longtime 35-year NFL defensive coordinator, told me the best addition that the Colts got this year was Eberfluss out Gus Bradley in. Gus Bradley really respected, but I digress. 4-3 defense is what the Bears are going to play. They have some talent. Robert Quinn, talent. Jalen Johnson, talented. Eddie Jackson, talented. Joe Thomas, talented. Uh, We'll see the rest, but they've got some talent on their defense. So what do you have to do? What you have to do when you're Matt Eberflus is develop a toughness. I was talking to David Kaplan, who runs all things Chicago. I should have Cappy on our show. Maybe I will. Um, and he told me that there is a terrific vibe to this, uh, this Bears camp. Now, here's why that is. One of the things that Eberflus learned from Frank Reich and Chris Ballard is how to cater and be a politician. Hey, let's feed the media. We call it Camp Ballard here. 
where media guys go meet with Chris Ballard and they have nachos and they have pizza and they watch game film. It's smart. I say it as a joke and part of me says it to make fun, but I'm really not doing that. It's smart. It's good business. There are a lot of great football people that don't have the political skills that an owner wants so they don't get hired to a position that they rightfully can handle and should handle. Matt Eberflus understands it. He's already bought pizza for the media. Smart. Chicago media is brutal. Chicago media is tough. They get off to a bad start, and I got to tell you, things are going to happen to Matt Eberflus that he don't want to happen, have happen. But there is some talent there, particularly on the defensive side. Offensively, I don't know what to tell you. Everybody's banged up. It all comes down to Justin Fields and maybe David Montgomery. I don't know. But I do know this. You're not winning if you're not healthy, particularly when you are not among the upper echelon teams in terms of talent. Got to get healthy. Number one for the Bears, Eberflus defense has to be more aggressive, has to be more stop-oriented, third-down-oriented. They were not great there. Schedule. All right, now, they play in the NFC Central. I know everybody is in love with Dan Campbell and the Lions. Don't be. They stinks. They weren't very good yesterday, but let's go through it. So the over-under is six and a half. Now you say that seems like a lot for a team that I don't think is going to be very good, but look it. Yes, they have to play Green Bay. Yes, they are owned by Aaron Rodgers. But when you really look at their schedule, you got to look at the away non-conference games. At the Giants, eh. At New England, tough. At Dallas, Tough. The New England game's Monday night. They're not winning those two games. But the other games, certainly winnable. At Atlanta, if you're any good. At New York Jets, you don't even know who the New York Jets quarterback is going to be. Hell, you may not even know who the New York Jets are going to be anyway. But the truth of the matter is, it's pretty manageable. Your home games against non-conference team include the Commanders. You can't handle the Commanders, you can't win. Miami Dolphins. There's no fear there of the Miami Dolphins. Philadelphia Eagles, what are they? Should Justin Fields not be as good as Jalen Hurts? And then a tough one. You got a tough one. You got Buffalo. But this is a very manageable schedule. You should be able, ladies and gentlemen, to split with both the Vikings and Detroit. Maybe you beat Detroit twice. So you do that. Then you go ahead and you beat Houston. I'm sorry, they got Houston. That's at home, third game of the year. There's three wins. You, let's say you split with the Giants. Wait a second. Yeah, let's say you split with the Giants and San Francisco and Miami. Let's say you get two of the three. Two of them are at home. Now you're at five wins. All you got to do is beat Philadelphia at home. All you got to do is beat Minnesota. You're good. Six and a half, I'll take it. I'll take six and a half. I got a little ambiguous there because my head started to hurt. Talking about the Bears too much makes my freaking head hurt. But I'll take over six and a half just because of the schedule. Anyway, that's how I look at it. So I'm not, I'm, I'll take both teams. I'll take nine on the Titans. Nine's good. I, won't, I don't know if I'll take nine and a half, and I'll take six and a half on the Bears. I'll probably lose that one, but at least I got action on a team that I think has a schedule where they can win seven games. I do. I'm not saying they're going to win 17. I'm not saying they're going to win 13, but look at a schedule before you take action. Do that. Do yourself a favor. Look at it. All right. We got the woke dope 
What do we got today? I love me some woke-a-dope. What do we got? What's going on in woke-a-dope today? I think the libs of TikTok had a problem. I think the libs of TikTok had a big problem. I think the libs of TikTok may have gotten a boot from Facebook. How are we booting the libs of TikTok off of Facebook? What the hell are we doing? It's woke-a-dope time. What do you got, Brian? What do you got, Dylan? Libs of TikTok? Facebook permanently banned libs of TikTok and gave absolutely no reason why. Now, one of the great things that the libs of TikTok, if you don't follow them, you should. One of the great things of the libs of TikTok is they call out hypocrisy. Like, they call it out every day. And, frankly, the libs of TikTok are here to really help our children. See, our children are being under attack. When we go about the business of bringing drag shows and stripper poles into schools, we're idiots. We're just absolute fools for doing that. Facebook said you can't use Facebook or Messenger because your account or activity on it didn't follow our community standards. We reviewed this decision. It cannot be reversed. There you go. They're suspended for good. It's amazing, really. It's amazing how, li- how TikTok, excuse me, how Facebook, how Twitter goes after people that don't think like them. That doesn't seem right to me. I follow the libs of TikTok. I started following the libs of TikTok because, frankly, I feel like they're trying to protect children. I think we don't do enough to protect children. I think we don't expose the hypocrisy of the folks running this country. And that's all I've ever seen out of libs of TikTok. They post videos that actual teachers post talking about, well, awful things relative to kids, mutilation in some point. They post uh, drag shows at schools with stripper poles, kids tucking bucks. They're posting things that others post. So if you're mad about the libs of TikTok, how mad are you at the folks that post the original stuff? Why would you be mad ever, ever about defending children? Why would you ever think that stripper poles and learning how to tuck bucks is progressive, is good, is something that should be brought to our schools? I don't understand how you can do anything other than say this needs to be done. This needs to be exposed. Look, our main media isn't. Your newspaper's scared to death of its own shadow. Your newspaper's afraid that somebody might call them one of the dreaded ists. Oh my God, we can't be an ist. They're scared to death. Media's in pocket. I don't know if you've seen what's been going on at CBS, but they're trying to tell you your kid's a fat ass because of climate change. That one Nora, whatever the heck her name is, lied about Donald Trump and his passport and they couldn't even have the stones to say I was wrong. Your media isn't going to cover it, so it's up to places like here, like OutKick, Libs of TikTok, to just expose things when they need exposed. Amazing world. Censorship isn't good. Censorship is awful. Like, I understand there are decency standards. Maybe there's not anymore. 
Maybe we don't have decency standards. Maybe we only have decency standards when somebody you don't quote like or doesn't follow your quote community doesn't live up to the standards of that community. And that community standards uh, as evidenced by the stuff that I see on Facebook, and I don't even go looking for bad stuff, certainly the standards aren't very high. And based on what I have seen on both Twitter and TikTok and Facebook, there basically are no standards, and certainly the libs of TikTok didn't violate anything. It's a weird world we're living in. It's a sad world we're living in. But we got to keep fighting. We got to keep talking. We got to keep moving. We can't stand and go, ah, I throw up my hands. You can't do it. There's no good that comes with throwing up your hands. You must continue the conversation. Look, are you ever going to get through to Gannett Publishing? No, of course not. Is Gannett ever going to be honest in its reporting? Places like the Indy Star, USA Today? Of course they're not. They're scared to death, and it's a stupid business model. Why do you think the Indy Star goes for like 99 cents a year? Why do you think that is? Because people know they're full of crap. Why do you think Gannett is laying off people? People know they're full of crap. It's a terrible business model to kiss everybody's backside. The people whose backside you're kissing don't pay the bills. Just have an honesty about you. Man, community standards. I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but I got to tell you, the libs of TikTok did not violate anybody's community standards if the community standards are what I see on Twitter and what I see on Facebook. I got to tell you, here's what happens with me. If I go through my mentions and I all of a sudden see a mention that was like, I don't know, from March, going back to November, a year ago, two years ago. I see it's liked. Do you know who it's liked by? Always, every time, a porn site. I'm sure it's a bot or it's a porn girl. I don't know. That's some standards. And if you ever click on those, which I've made the mistake of doing once or twice, no. Those standards are indecent. Those standards are ridiculous. Libs of TikTok just simply saying, hey, this is what they said a year ago. This is what they're saying now. That's part of it. This is what's happening in our schools with our little kids. That ain't near below the standards of the stuff that I see on Twitter. And I don't even look. I swear to you, I'm not porn guy. Never have been, never will be. Great day today. Thanks to everybody for watching. We've had a monster week. We've had a monster month. I thank you all very much. Dylan and Ryan, Keep knocking it out of the park. Davey, thank you. Gary, the boss. Aaron, everybody, thank you all so much. Uh, we'll be back on Monday. Cannot wait. I missed this show. I think we're going to Fridays at some point, maybe after Memorial Day or Labor Day, excuse me. Love doing the show. Catch this act noon to 3. I'll be out at Colts camp on 107.5 The Fan. Have a wonderful weekend, and thank you for the birthday wishes. Doc is out.